0: Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. You can connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod, on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. We're at The Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's changed his ringtone to the Bo Davis rant. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: You know, do you remember, Gerald, back in the aughts when, you know, or er, different days of internet uh, when we used to go to ChuckNorrisFacts.com? I uh, have been <laughs> yes. devoting my time this week to recreating that as, as BowDavisFacts.com uh for instance uh you know when when uh chuck norris does a push-up that will be bo davis um the yeah, the earth moves right so we you know we, we get all these uh these these facts uh i will be tweeting those out i'm sure bo davis is a hero um it's sad that the best thing that the texas football program has done all year is a coach shouting um at players but that passion and that fire uh has been severely lacking for at least a month um if not a season um so <laughs> you know it I don't know what every listener of this podcast, where they stand or where they feel, but I think I can speak for both hosts and um, occasional co-host, Mike Roach even, uh, to say that everyone (laughs) I know who has an opinion about um, Texas football is aligned. Every person who's played the game, every person who's covered the game and and understands it um, seems aligned, except the the turkeys that are looking for, for interactions, I guess, that this is great. You want your kid playing for a coach with that much fire. You want your kid playing for a coach who says, I got my butt beat. Like, he is taking ownership. that He feels that directly and personally, and uh, I loved it. Again, it's sad that this is the most promising thing that we've (laughs) had. I mean, basically, uh, some monkey news and and Bo Davis are the (laughs) the two most interesting things that this football team has done in in weeks.
0: Like, you see people buying into it. Xavier Worthy changed his Twitter profile picture to Bo Davis' headshot from the texas sports website but this is where my day job is going to come out for like 45 seconds and then we'll move on but the one of the one of the leadership axioms that people don't often think about is the choice with culture and it's not like a feel-good john maxwell-y thing and i love maxwell's writing it's fine don't don't hear this is me taking shots at one of the best-selling most renowned leadership writers but it's a lot of feel-goody stuff and this is a different way of thinking about building culture because what Bo Davis is doing is is offering them a choice about how they want to respond to the culture. And the way that I view this and the way that I've coached leaders, I've been doing this for like eight, nine years now, is that everybody improves the culture of the organization. They either get on board with the culture and get, on, and get in line or they self-select out. They either choose to leave themselves or we make the choice for them, but they make that choice. You offer them the choice, get on board or step aside. And that's what Bo Davis is doing there. That's why if you listen to it, he said, some of y'all need to hit, he said, some of y'all, some things need to hit the portal, (laughs) right? He's, he's, he's saying, this is what the culture is going to be. And if you are not cool with that, then you need, to t- you need to take a different route. Now you can argue with or disagree with the way that he communicated it, but that's what he was communicating in that moment. We get so caught up in how he did it and that's his leadership style. You can argue with it. It's not how I speak to people normally. It's not how I lead my family or my children, or but like that is the culture that they are establishing. And Steve Sarkeesian's probably pretty okay with it. And so we're not really gonna talk about We're going to talk about a team that hopefully we don't have to spew any expletives (laughs) at the TV about on Saturday, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks, Texas, in dire need of a get-right game. We talk about them all the time, but this – The cure for the common offense is the Kansas Jayhawks defense. They have – or really anything. Cure for the common defense is the Kansas Jayhawks offense. (laughs) They have just one win this year. They're 1-8, and and their only win of the year is a three-point win against – fcs not fbs fcs south dakota kansas best games of the year were against coastal carolina a 49 to 22 beat down and then somehow they hung with ou and honestly had a shot to beat them until a weird rule interpretation cost them the game 35 to 23 the line currently at the time of recording seven thirty 30 p.m on a, on a wednesday is at 30 and a half points now I've often steered away from feeling good about games, Kyle. Anytime that I feel good about a game, I'm usually like, Texas is going to lose. How you feeling right now?
1: I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup in basketball season. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> the line will be much closer when these two teams play in, in the coming weeks on uh, indoors uh, on the hardwood. Um, look. Look. It, they look at the, the the first early in the season they 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 had a win against South Dakota which if you squint maybe you think that's the other South Dakota state which wins the national championships <laughs> at that level it's not um and then they they hung it's 2249 to coastal Carolina but they actually were within a like a two touchdown game for most of that game and it looked like even when it was you know like 21 to 7 it looked like you know it could be a game so beginning of season I thought maybe they're on to something and then you kind of saw them settle into being Kansas and then you know the OU uh thing whatever it was the event uh happened and 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 I kind of thought uh but they reverted pretty quickly uh against against Kansas State in in their last game um and I think Think it's it's relatively clear what this team is and 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 that's okay but I think they are uh year one also in a build right like I think to talk about this team is not to be you know disparaging of of the program again I find no fun no joy in taking shots at Kansas football I I, I just don't you know I root for them I don't know if I root hard I'm not an SEC guy yet I don't know if I root hard for anyone in the conference but I root for Kansas every single week right like I, I just want the people, the fans who, you know, have to watch something before basketball season starts. I want them to have a win, uh, but just not at Texas's expense. So what I hope this week is, is, you know, I don't know how we're going to get all those points, maybe, you know, 13 Cameron Dicker field goals, um, but we're, <laughs> we we get every point of that 30 on the line. That might be tough to do just because, you know, th- that's a lot. But, you know, I, I think that line that Vegas set tells you everything, even with Texas in the skid, the talent level here, you would think, now let's – Let's not forget, Kansas pulled out of a bye week. A new offensive coordinator the last time we we played them because we didn't get to play last year during COVID, and and it took a Cameron Dicker walk off field goal to beat them. We gave up almost fifty points, so don't take anything for granted. Uh, but there is no Puka on this team. You know there there are some players, some okay guys, uh, but there really isn't anyone who scares you too too much.
0: The speed option does scare me, and we'll talk about Jason Bean here in just a minute. Uh, but the Kansas has found some success uh, running the speed option, and so Texas has absolutely crapped the bed um, against the speed option. We could talk; we talked about that on the Tuesday show. Go check it out. But it's not a great offense. Not it's 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 they haven't been good. Um, their their offensive efficiency is in the negatives. They're number one hundred and two in the country. They're actually um, dead last in some some uh. Offensive and defensive statistics, but when you look at their offense, it, it's just they're not able to move the ball. They haven't been able to, to move the ball. They're number 118 in points per drive, number 97 in yards per play. They've got just a 37% success rate, which puts them in the bottom third of the country. Points per points per opportunity, uh, 08, 0.086, which is on the low end. Uh, they're just not a great Team now they've got uh, they've got some pieces and and this is no shots at Lance Leipold I think Lance Leipold is a heck of a coach and I think if Lance Leipold can get some talent in this offense, I think they could actually be pretty successful. I don't know if they can repeat the Mangino success, but I definitely think that there, he could get them to a point where they can start to build something that could potentially challenge for that middle of the big 12. Cause Kansas is always going to be Kansas, right? It's just hard to, re, hard to recruit there. It's hard to recruit the against OU and Texas and A&M and the fertile areas that you need to in this conference. And so that's just where they're at. But Devin Neal kind of paces the offense on the ground 120 carries for 505 and four touchdowns not really used much in the passing game only about two percent of the time in the past game but again the offensive line doesn't give him much room to work with they're only give they're giving him three yards per rush there's just not a lot of room for him to work
1: yeah I mean I, I think that's one of the biggest things that you as you go from kind of the various coaching regimes that have been there and different ideologies and a piecemeal team and then kansas has been hit by when there is a talented player um you know transfer portal and uh, other teams scooping them up kansas sent two players to the sec uh from last year's team right it's um it's hard to get a line that's that's gonna be what you need to run the speed option now again an option team we saw parker braun try to come to the big 12 from being a two-time all-conference player being a, a lineman in in a in a Uh, an option heavy offense is a little bit different than other offenses you can be a little bit smaller you can you can um, be a little bit more specialized Uh, but I do think again we talked about him at the top of the show coach Bo Davis um, was the the man calling for a reckoning it's his guys at the defensive line who should be most fired up and this should be maybe more than any unit this should be their chance to show that they were touted as one of the better defensive lines in the Big 12 coming into the season. We said it was one of our biggest position groups of, you know, strengths. We haven't seen that. You just had your coach call you out and say, get in the portal or, or, or you know, man up. And I get the feeling that it's going to be tough for Kansas to to win at the point of attack if those guys are fired up to snap a, a losing streak, to to prove their coach that you know they're they're willing of the longhorn that's on their helmet um or or, you know they're they're deserving of it rather um and so I you know the scheme obviously scares me but now that you're going into week three thinking about it they didn't fix it last week and that cleared clearly was a a glaring omission if they can't figure out a way to stop the speed option and again with Kansas running it not Baylor or you know Brees Hall and and Iowa State then we need to have some larger conversations that I don't think we're ready to have in year one um, that you know schematically they can't not be prepared for it this week
0: If they're unprepared for what Kansas is going to want to run against this defense, then I I will drive to Austin and I will put Pete Kwiatkowski's house on the market. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, it's like you just you you know what they're going to try to run, especially with the quarterbacks that they have. Their quarterbacks are not passing threats. They're just not whether it's Jason Bean, who's dealing with uh, air quotes, head injury. So a concussion likely, uh, but air quotes, head injury. um, or it's Miles Kendrick or Jalen Daniels. These guys are not threats to beat you through the air. So they're going to lean on Devin Neal. They're going to try to hit the edges with the quarterback. Again, Bean is a capable runner. He's got 91 carries for almost 400 yards and two touchdowns. Um, they haven't they haven't officially ruled him in or out for the game. He's been participating. He's air quotes, according to Lance Leipold, done what we asked him to do in practices. But again, if he's not ready for the game, then it's one of these other two guys who are just not they're they're just not at the level of talent that Jason Bean is. But even if Jason Bean is there, that offensive line hopefully is not able to stand up to what Texas is going to try to do, and hopefully rally around moving forward. So, there we know what they're going to do they're going to try to they're going to they're going to run the ball they're going to run the options what they did when Cameron Dicker had to eke one out 2 years ago mm-hmm. the last time Texas played Kansas because they had to cancel last year due to covid but again neither here nor there it's just it's hard for me to imagine that this group is Not fired up, ready to go. Again, we're seeing more like it's happening as we're we're recording. More and more defensive players, more and more players around the team are changing their profile picture to Bo Davis. (laughs) And so, like there, hopefully, seems to be some sort of mental, emotional, cultural shift happening. And I think the defense is going to be ready.
1: You know, it's funny, Gerald. I I keep coming back to it, but I was thinking about. uh, I just did a quick search. I was thinking about our Kansas preview and we were going through in our off season and doing a position preview and an opponent preview and we just kind of cycled through one to one Uh, and it lined up that we happened to do the week of August 9th a Kansas football preview as well as a defensive line preview. And I can't stop circling that matchup specifically um, for this one. I think our linebackers are going to have, have a lot to play, right? I, th- I think there's there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, in our preview, we talked about a three-man battle at quarterback. You know, the, the one thing I think we, we should say as well is that, you know, Kwame Laster is, a, is a, a good receiver. It's just, you know, how many options does he get it? But I think the the battle of this one for Texas' defense – they need to hold under 20 points. Let's get back to Coach K's, uh, you know, mantra, and this is a good game to to do that. If if they can hold significantly under that, that would that would be better, right? You, you held Iowa State to three and a half. Maybe keep it under single digits against Kansas would be great. But if they if they're gonna do that, if they're gonna really show out, I think it is that defensive line that's gonna you know have some negative plays, m- turn them into a passing team where they're on third and fourteens, and they have to, you know, line whichever one of their quarterbacks, again, probably not the one they started the year with most likely, uh, back there, and, you know, put Josh Thompson on Kwame Lasseter and and, uh, let them try to do something, and and maybe that leads to turnovers and quick easy points for the offense. You know, I I just – I like a lot of things about this game as a confidence booster for different parts of UT's offense, or excuse me, UT's uh, team that has struggled a bit um, so far in, in in this little skid um, the past couple weeks uh, and, and, you know, playing complimentary football, those things we talked about. I think a lot of it can start, like I said, up front with controlling the, 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 trenches, the point of attack, which is something Texas has not done for four quarters. They probably haven't done it for three straight quarters, but if they can do that for four quarters, stand a little taller, feel a little bigger, remember what it's like to be bullies, like just push some people around. I think that can, you know, spark a little something, hopefully for this defense and and again for that front uh, six or seven for the the final stretch of the season.
0: This is an opportunity for... Texas to really right the ship. This is absolutely an opportunity for them to build some momentum and that momentum can carry them into two games that are not guaranteed, but they're winnable games against Kansas state and West Virginia. Those are infinitely winnable games. And there's something to be said. And again, I talked about it, I think on the Tuesday show, but there's something to be said about momentum. It's statistically overrated, but it's human naturally underrated. And there's something to be seen, something to be said about especially as an offensive lineman, right? Like there is, I, I I never played offensive line at a high level, but I remember even in middle school games and JV games, I remember like the first time you whip somebody's tail on the line, mm-hmm. immediately in your mind, you say, I've got mm-hmm. him. And you've got him for four quarters, and that carries into the next game because you're like, I whipped that dude's tail for four quarters last week. I'm gonna whip his tail again for another. I'm gonna whip this guy's tail for another four quarters. And so there's something to be said about the mental side of things, and it looks like the team is responding well now mentally. And so hopefully, with all of the stuff that happened this week, plus a straight beatdown of Kansas, this could be a potential turning point for Texas.
1: And 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 this is the last thing I'll say again. Something to think about as you're watching this Kansas team is how hard it is, how, how hard the job that, that Leipold has ahead of him because you're getting guys to buy in. I mean, just think about with the coaching change, Les Miles brought some guys in, but I told you they had two on defense. We'll talk about who, who went to the SEC before the season. They also lost kind of their, their compliment, uh, knowing they were going to go to a more running. Their compliment to Lassiter, Andrew Parchman, who was probably the better of the two receivers, is playing at Florida State. So, again – if they have a weapon, you know you can get a guy at Kansas, but can you keep them? And so, <clears throat> it's curious to see. There's going to be some Kansas guys who are who are trying to to establish culture as well, um, and you know they know how how winning the big ones work. They've done it against Texas, and they almost did it against OU. So let's not make any assumptions. Four quarters, players have to go out and do it. And again, in this one, I think defense has had more good quarters this season, probably consecutively than the offense. And so can, can they do it for four and can that spill over? And let's talk about the offense. Cause I think this is, this is where the, the exponent factor comes. I think is if, if that defense plays the complimentary football that Sarg talks about, what can the offense do?
0: So again, the defense they're on the cusp of, of being the worst statistical running defense in the, the last several years. They're on they they're knocking on the door. But they shouldn't get close to that. They shouldn't give up the averages that they've been giving up. And again, if they can keep Kansas from running the ball like they want to, and you said it really perfectly earlier. If they keep Kansas from running the ball and, and getting on schedule and staying on schedule, Kansas isn't gonna beat you through the end, regardless of whether it's Lasseter, who I think is a really I think I think they have some talent in that wide receiver room. Um, you know, rest in peace, Quay Davis. He's not actually dead, he just you know, legal problems. It is what it is, but like they, they have some talent, in that wide receiver, room. they've got uh, a great wide receivers coach. They've got a great recruiting at, recruiter at wide receiver. And so they've got that talent, but I just don't think any of these quarterbacks are, are someone who can beat you through the air. And so we'll see if Texas can find a way to get ahead early and pin their ears back and the defense can get some, uh, some stops. Things could be awesome. So when we look at the Jayhawks defense against the Texas offense, it's actually somehow worse for Kansas. They have, uh, on, on points per drive defensively, they are 130 in the country giving up More than four and a half points per drive. They have a negative defensive efficiency rating at number 128 in the country. Yards per play, 128. Uh, Success rate offensively, or defensively, 55%, meaning that the offenses that they're playing are getting the necessary yards to stay ahead of the chains on 55% of offensive plays, which is just just a beautiful thing. I don't, I don't know if it's, I think the run defense is probably worse just based on like the explosiveness um, and the inability to just stuff anybody. I just don't think that they have the horses in the stable. And again, Texas for at least five of the weeks, hasn't had them either uh, to, to generate a ground game, but I think they'll, they'll have an advantage when it comes to trying to run the ball uh, against Kansas.
1: I mean, you should. Uh, we'll talk about a lot of things if the if if that isn't the case and and the offensive line can't push some dudes around here. Um, Bijan Robinson is an elite elite running back. We know that. Um, you saw against TC where they went to the well, you know, thirty some odd times, got a whole whole gang of yards, and and they needed that. I don't think they're going to run Bijan thirty times against Kansas, <laughs> but I do think you know with. An Iowa State defense that, as we talked about, you know, is in, in the nation's uh, elite. You know, currently sitting at number three in total defense. An Oklahoma State defense is currently number two in total defense. A Baylor defense that's good and coached by Dave Aranda, one of the best defensive minds in the country. Um, and all three of those teams basically just said, "We're going to try to stop Bijan, and we have enough dudes who are pretty good and and good enough schemes with three good defensive-minded uh, coaches that that we are going to, you know." have some success at it and we've kind of remember before these past three games the even though the team wasn't in a perfect spot um coming out of OU with a tough loss there was still Heisman like real realistic Heisman conversations about Bijan obviously this type of losing streak doesn't necessarily lend itself to that but I think it won't relaunch his Heisman campaign but I think there is a chance for Bijan to like we talked about the defense you know Feeling like a bully again Like remember When on this podcast we talked about high school recruit Bijan Robinson when we read his numbers Aloud and marveled at them as he Averaged (laughs) like 25 yards A carry in high school I'm expecting that kind of performance from Bijan. Like I'm expecting just, just, you know, Arizona (laughs) private school. Correct. Like I'm expecting like guys just whiffing and flying by him, like him going ethereal and someone just like, you know, grasping (laughs) at ghostly air and, uh, and maybe some, some truck sticks and stiff arms and, and Reggie Bush cut back. Like this should be a good chance for, for Texas's elite social media team to, to get some, some Bijan highlight package, uh, a roll, not even B roll. This is the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) um so you know not getting to play Kansas last year has already deprived Bijan of of one year of that so I really hope he's fully healthy he's good to go he only needs 15 carries and he can he can quickly just rack them up uh on some highlight plays and 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 show everybody that he's he's you know he is who we remember him being uh and and and, you know the last couple weeks against really good defense is a bit of an outlier
0: the number that jumps out to me when I look at the the Kansas run defense is they're giving up one and a half second level yards per rush, which is a big red flag. It's That is a huge amount. Like most teams, you want to see that closer to one, they're giving up one and a half. And, and I'm a firm believer that if Bijan gets to the second level, he's going to the third level and beyond. Like that's just where Bijan, if he gets to your linebackers, it's it is it is scary hours for the defense, and so that to me is the one that jumps off the page. It's like this is an opportunity for him to put up some gaudy numbers and hopefully not have to take many hits, and and hopefully, and especially with the with the the stinger in his neck, that's a, that's an injury that can quickly re aggravate and quickly cause some issues. I would love to see Texas get out to an early lead and put Bijan on a pitch count. Like, hey, we are not going. If if Texas gets to a three score lead. Let, let the game be in Roshan's hands yep. for the rest of it. Yep. that's fine. And Roshan is very capable of being the dagger. Cause he's just going to run into you and run over you. And I'm fine with that uh, on the past game. This is another opportunity for Texas. Uh, they're giving up one and a half points per completion, which is a massive, massive number. So it's another opportunity. If Xavier Worthy can can connect, if, if whoever the quarterback is, can connect with the wide receivers, especially, um, you know, Moochie Dixon inserts himself into the starting lineup now that uh, Joshua Moore is no longer with the team. So those are two guys that are speedy. And, and those are two guys that run pretty solid routes. Worthy is probably the best route runner on the team too. Instantly has he got here. So there's an opportunity for Texas to create some explosivity and create some margin and some cushion for the defense with that.
1: Xavier Worthy's had a, had a, you know, by his standards, tough couple games, getting the ball in space and doing the things he likes to do. He had a touchdown, but you know, you know, I, I think, this is a good chance to, to, to look at those freshman record books, to look at freshman All-American teams. He's, he's, he's probably a lock for a couple of those, but, you know, stretch it out. I don't know if they have anyone who can run with him, but also, like you said, um, is, it, is it Dixon? You know, is it is it Washington, who, who is a known entity? Uh, we know who isn't there in the receiver room. This is a good game to find out who is. This is a good game to find out who has the willingness to step up. This is a good game to see are any of those tight ends going to be, you know, Game breakers. Can we have a tight end who catches a pass and doesn't get tackled by the turf monster immediately? You know, can, can we have a playmaker emerge in the passing game? This is a good defense to do it against. This is a, you know, a good chance to, to, to have a number, a name, uh, you know, a Keelan Robinson out, you know, in the flat, someone break one themselves and, and, you know, show that, Hey, it's okay. Yeah. We lost four receivers this year, you know, and, you count Jake Smith way, way back when, um, you know, either to injury or portal or whatever. Um, Hey, we got some coming in next year, but there's still some guys on this team and are any of those guys, not that they're auditioning for their spots necessarily, but are any of those guys willing to say, I'm going to be a part of this change where Texas got right and started working towards the future. You can count on me, coach Sark. You can count on me, uh, coach Coleman, you know, that, that, does anyone in that receiving game step up? That's that's one of the more interesting storylines. I don't think they're going to throw the ball thirty times. I don't think they're going to, in this ideal world, keep running the score up. But I think they are going to stretch it out. I think you know, if if it's if it's Thompson in there, you know, it's it's getting him right. If it's Card, it's hey, give him a chance for for an easy one. You know, he's had two tough games on the road against good defenses and one game at home against Louisiana. This would be his second home game. Let him, you know, if it's him, let him let him. You know, stunt a little again. That that feeling of like, remember you're a four star. Remember you're a highly recruited kid. Remember you're a state champion. Remember you were, you know, you had years where you you bullied people. That's what got you to Texas. And I keep coming back to that. But whatever aspect of the game is, let's bully a little bit.
0: You said you hope they don't run up the score. I hope that they run up the score, run <laughs> the doggone thing up. Especially an offense that needs to get its swagger back, that needs to remember who it is and figure out who they are. Like that for me, they're in. I'm sorry it has to be Kansas. Our man Andy Mitts, incredible people. Honestly, Kansas fans, um, these Kansas football fans are some of the best people I've ever met. But like... I'm sorry, it has to be you, and I'm fine (laughs) with it. Like, run up the score, put up another 70-burger, do it. I don't care. Do not not take your foot off the accelerator. Saving points doesn't actually exist. You can't put those in the bank and throw them on the scoreboard (laughs) next week. So if you've got the plays and you've got the players, then run up the score and let your offense swagger a little bit. It's been five weeks of absolute hell for those dudes. So let them, let, them, let them puff their chest out a little bit. Doesn't matter if it's Kansas. You drop 70 on anybody, and that feels good. So run up the stinking score. Talking about special teams real quick, this is another opportunity for Texas to hopefully get something going. Um, they give up. Significant number of returns. Average starting field position for opponents is a 32-yard line. Uh, punter Reese Vernon has punted 40 times for an average of 41. 11 of those are returned, so about 25% of his punts are returnable. Um, six of them are inside the 20. The kicker, uh, the kickoff specialist, um, Tabor Allen, has 35 kicks, and 23 of them have been returned for 587 yards and a tutty. So that is another opportunity for Jeff banks to earn his paycheck. He'll probably need it here in a couple months. It's fine, (laughs) but an opportunity for uh, Jeff banks, unit to to pop off a little bit.
1: No, I like that. I I like the idea again, let this unit be, be special. Special teams is an interesting thing when you have teams that are um, disparate in, in, in like talent, you know? And again, I'm, I'm not, trying to disparage Kansas but there is obviously one of the worst you know division one or power five at least football teams over the past decade versus Texas the reason everyone gets their dander up so much is is it's one of the most underachieving surely um, but has you know what top five blue chip talent you know historically yeah we've talked a lot about not all those players matriculating and and working out but nonetheless there is a talent gap. If in none other game than this one, um, in special teams, you know Texas they're best guys a lot of times and and I like that philosophy um but special teams is often where you can see a gap if if you have the Kansas backups um potentially or young guys you know in there the the gap could be even further where you know you do have a chance to really uh break you know break through there so uh, yeah let's add some points you know let's get defensive points special teams points offensive points and no Kansas points you do all four of those things I think you (laughs) win this game
0: If the water boy (laughs) is scoring points for you, you're going to win the football game. But, like, that is, I think back, in it hurts me to even invoke this, but, like, the A&M-Alabama game, right, when it felt like Alabama was finally going to turn the corner and pull away, and A&M returned that kick and kept themselves right in the game, Mm -hmm. the reverse is also true, where if KU scores and they're starting to feel scrappy, and you return one, it's like, no, remember who you are. This is who we are, and this is who you are. And so that's another opportunity to shift the storyline in a game. But, Kyle, it's time. Podstradamus predictions. Now, it is 12 and 12-9 on the year. This is the closest it's ever been this late in the season. Um, we've got three games left, so that I have six points that I can make up if I hit on all of them. Uh, you can theoretically not hit on any of them. If I, if, if I go th- – <laughs> And if you hold serve for this week, <laughs> it's essentially over, but it's fine. I still have an opportunity. So what is your first Podstradamus prediction?
1: I'm glad you set it up with that caveat, Jared, because you're right. I could just, you know, I could just really do the uh, the quarterback kneel where I run around for 20 to 30 <laughs> seconds back here before kneeling to really make sure I run this clock out, but I'm not going to do that. I appreciate think that. Back, think back to the glory days of this season, uh, the consecutive games of Rice and Texas Tech. Texas ran for 427 yards against Rice. They ran for uh, 336 yards against Texas Tech. I'm not necessarily calling for, you know, yet again, one of the best games in in program history over 400 yards. But I am going to go out on a limb here and say that Texas will put up 250 rushing yards in this game. That's not not a small number. And I, I'm I'm gonna you know give you a little chance here, Joe, because if they if they do 220 and uh, you know they 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 have some short fields with their defense, I maybe put myself at a disadvantage. But I'm calling 250 plus on the ground.
0: 250 on the ground. Okay, I like it. So. I've got to go a little bit more conservative, right? I'm I'm trying to you can th- this is the reverse of what you want to do when you're down in like a, a football game, right? You want to go you want to go with your layups. Now, I'm not going to go like super layup here. I'm obviously not just going to be like Xavier Worthy is going to have a catch. Like that's not how <laughs> I'm going to play this. Um, but I will say that I do believe Xavier Worthy is the player to watch in this game, especially from a, from a offensive explosiveness standpoint. Now, he is 130 yards away from passing Roy Williams for the freshman receiving record. I don't know if he gets to 130, but I think he probably gets to 125 in this game.
1: I like that. That five yards is where you're. you're you just you can't push yourself. I okay. couldn't do
0: it. I couldn't do. it. I, I was. I set myself up to go either way, uh, and I. I chickened out at the end.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough.
0: Kyle, I got three kids. I got bills to pay. What's your second? <laughs> prediction
1: for the folks at home just know we have a- no actual currency riding on this this is for your benefit we we don't uh, <laughs> i don't specifically take gerald's money in this segment every week um the uh my, my second prediction again we mentioned 30 and a half points is a heck of a line it is a heck of a line it's hard to cover four scores at any level of football not that you can't win big games But I mean, remember Tech when we were up by like 60 points And then they had a couple late scores You know it's tough to do I think Texas wins this game By 30 points I'm not going 30 and a half I'm, 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 cra- I'm, I'm crawfishing like Gerald here Because I don't want to push anyone's betting You know I don't want them to bet because of me But I think Texas clears this hurdle By 30 points I think thanks to Coach Bo Davis The fire Ooh. has been lit 30 point win Whew, I like it. I'm giving uh, you a, that Give like, me a chance. That feels here, like an
0: opening for me, Kyle. That feels mm-hmm. like an opening uh, mm-hmm. for me. So my other podstronomist pick, I've been waffling on this one all week. But I, I say all week for the three days since we recorded last. But I think that Texas is going to have two turnovers, force two turnovers in this game, I really feel like Texas is going to be able to shut down the run and force either of these quarterbacks or any of these quarterbacks, one of the three potential ones to put the ball in the air. And I just don't think they have the arm to do that and to beat these guys, regardless of the talent deficiencies we've seen and the players that the plays that have been left on the field in the secondary. I think they're good enough to intercept a Kansas quarterback a couple of times. I think a fumble is an opportunity as well for Texas. Uh, So I think Texas is going to force two turnovers in this game. So that's it. Our recap: Podstradamus. Kyle thinks that Texas goes over 250 rushing and has at least a 30-point win. I have X-Worthy going for 125 and Texas defense forcing two turnovers. We'll be back following the game for our post-game live stream. Hopefully, if if this one is a loss, Kyle, we may not show up. I'll be real with you. I may just be like, forget <laughs> it. I'm putting my kids to bed and I'm gonna go. I'm putting my kids for a bed to bed and I'm gonna go for a walk. Like that. I just if if they lose this one all bad. But we'll be back on Saturday for a post-game recap. The basketball team. We're going to make quick work of this because they did as well. The number 21 women's basketball team absolutely just... Put the boots to New Orleans, 131 to 36. You heard that right, 131 to 36. That's the second highest point total in program history, and 95 is the largest margin of victory in school history.
1: It's only a few points off the the largest margin of victory all time. Uh You know Kim Mulkey's a bully. Uh, 108 points. She recently set the record in 2016. That Baylor team over Winthrop. But you know they had a three right at the end, or it would have been 98. I don't. I can't say out loud. I won't go on record saying I was cheering for them to get it to 100 (laughs) just because. Um, Because that's me and New Orleans. New Orleans is my second spiritual home. You understand this. Uh, so it was tough, but boy, it was fun. And, uh, I mean, they did everything. They won the turnover battle 38-12, 53-25 advantage on the boards. Um, basically, the only possible area for improvement was free throw shooting. So, again, more points could have been there. They shot 55.8%, which was their lowest of the three percentages. Always intriguing when free throws your lowest. Uh, 61% from the floor, 56% from deep, uh, and, again, left a lot of points on the board. So Vic's got something to be mad about uh, from the free throw line, missed like 20 uh, free throws. Um, Just everyone was good, Gerald. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to
0: judge, this season based upon you know the a game against a very outmatched New Orleans. But uh Kendall Hunter looked really good. 27 points. I like saying Kendall Hunter. He was one of my favorite Oklahoma State players. Um but just an absolute assassin from behind the arc seven of eight. That transfers to whoever you're playing is being able to knock him down from long range. That'll open up a lot of things for the Texas offense. The number five men's basketball team um, not quite as lopsided of a victory but uh 92 to 48 over Houston Baptist shot 64% from the floor, 59.1% from three point range, and six Longhorns ended up in double figures on the night.
1: Unlike the women's uh, game and doubleheader immediately before, this one started a little bit slower. Texas women got out big and, and never looked away. I think they were wired up 70 and to half yeah but this one they actually went down seven to three uh it looked like oh my gosh what what have we begun this era of Chris Beard um and then they they very obviously figured some things out and and just took off and and hit the gas um Again, they not a lot to complain about here as far as shooting the ball, which, again, you're going to have better defenses, but shooting the ball translates uh, to some extent. 64% from the field, 59% from 313 for 22, which is a really, really, really good sign because hitting the three uh, is the thing that kind of opens up this offense. That motion offense gives multiple people open looks, and, and we were hoping that you would see uh, effectively, you know, anyone can score, anyone can shoot. And it's what you saw. Courtney Ramey led everything with, uh, with 14 points, which, you know, is fantastic to see for the guy who – uh, people wondered, you know, is he starting in this in this new lineup with all these new transfers? Is he the sixth man? What's his role going to be? And second leading scorer was Andrew Jones, so names that we're familiar with. Uh, Jones also had a career-high five steals in just 24 minutes. Uh, and the third leading scorer you love to see, it was Jalen Tyson, the, the guy playing his first minutes. We talked about a bunch of those freshmen for the women's team. Um, the only real freshman, true freshman on this men's team, Jalen Tyson, and, and he's looked good in the minutes he's got so far, five for five, uh, hitting all his shots in just four Minutes And then, you know, the guys who who came in did what they did. Christian Bishop, 10, Marcus Carr, 10 and 7 assists, Trey Mitchell, 10, Timmy Allen, 8 and 6. You you basically had everyone play in this game, top to bottom, walk on guys. And so, you know, I don't know that we saw what the minute distribution will necessarily look like, but I think you did see that the talent is deep.
0: It was, a pr- it was a proof of concept for, I think, what Chris Beard is going to do. Again, we don't know what the rotation is going to be because you had guys playing that will probably never see the floor. Um, well, that, based on the non-conference schedule, they probably will see the floor. But uh, when it <laughs> comes to significant games, uh, they will likely not. So you had 10 different players that played 14 minutes, right? So like, that's not going to happen when you hit conference play. But uh, the other part of this conversation is that uh, 14,683 souls made their way into the Irwin Center, which is the fourth largest home opening in the 45-year history As they close the chapter, this is the final chapter of the Irwin Center as the home for the Texas basketball teams. um, Marked the largest home opening since 2001 against Arizona. So the the men travel to Spokane to take on number one Gonzaga. The tip will be on Saturday at 9.30. And the ladies travel to Palo Alto to take on defending national champion Stanford
1: on Sunday at 2. And I don't know that this has ever happened where you have had the on the same weekend, it I guess not opening weekend, but in the second weekend uh, of a of a season like this, where both men and women are playing, a team that played in the national championship. Obviously, Gonzaga lost to Baylor on the men's side, but Stanford won on the women's side. So, two teams who played in the national championship and turned around the season, ranked in the top three, uh, men and women both playing. So, it's it's a tough. As much as this was a doubleheader to open it, the season really, really starts uh, you know this weekend for both of these teams and, and probably their toughest game of the season all season is is in game two uh, for both men and women's teams. So we uh, will be very, very, very interesting to get a read uh, on some tough opponents early on. All right, Jared, let's take a look at uh, the world through some burnt orange lenses, a couple of award season items to uh, to tick off here. Cameron Dicker, our guy, named a Ray guy, Semifinalists, I believe there's ten of those named. Uh, looking at the stats, I was impressed. I knew Dicker had been good, but he leads the nation in net punting average, which I was honestly a little bit surprised by. Um, good on that uh, punting team and Coach Banks' unit there, um, and tied for sixth in gross punting average. However, as much as I want a Longhorn to win every single award, Gerald, have you seen uh, what's his name Ariaza uh, from San Diego State? What he's what he's doing. Punting the ball—it's
0: incredible. (laughs) It's the only way to say it. Like it's uh, absolutely wild to see what that dude is doing.
1: I thought I thought Mike Dixon reinvented what a punter could do, and I hate to say it, but I think this guy is out Dixoning Dixon. And in fact, he's out kicking. His averages, his greater than fifty, greater than sixty, are are better than every single NFL punter this year, And, and that kind of translates, right? Same same size field it's it's pretty easy to project that um yep. this guy could legitimately be the the, the punter that was promised um <laughs> uh, so let's let's keep moving uh xavier worthy keep racking up the rewards after another uh touchdown last week in a, in a good freshman season uh was named a uh, to the watch list for the sean alexander award which uh, is another uh, of the freshman awards i believe the top freshman of the year so Really awesome. Again, our best offensive player, not named Bijan, is a freshman kid who uh, showed up you know, a couple weeks before the season. Love <laughs> to see it. All right, Gerald. Signing date. There's My a lot. Baby. There's a lot here. We could probably do a full podcast on this because every sport showed the heck out, but one that obviously we like to start with because we probably spend the most time talking about this, recruiting is football. Not an incredibly busy day, but a meaningful and impactful day. Uh, our boy, four star everything Derek brown uh a, a guy who is is a culture guy for ut yeah, uh a guy who we really like was unable to sign uh in december so he signed today Gerald, how excited one to ten are you that Derek brown is officially officially
0: longhorn on a scale of one to ten i'm a 15 that Derek brown like if you if you are concerned about the culture in the locker room go look at this kid's Twitter feed he is actively Recruiting like as literally as we're recording he's tweeting stats at Evan Stewart about how he should come To Texas instead of Texas A&M It's absolutely incredible like he is a guy Who loves Texas he's bought into Texas And he's just so excited to be here and those are The kind of guys that, that you build your culture around and I'm Just so glad that he's a part of this class
1: Yeah absolutely um, The other team That we, we probably talked most about And rightfully so number two in the nation, number one in our hearts uh, after their first loss of the season, Texas Volleyball. Uh, had a little bounce back. They were able to sign some elite players. They signed three high school All-Americans. I believe there are, Max, Preps says 52 uh, All-Americans. So, you know, you can call these all top 50 players. Libero Emma Haller from Indianapolis, uh, the number eight overall player in the country. In uh, this one, I'm excited to say for years to come, Kamea, Kamea, come on, Devin. Kaha, Hawaii, uh, hailing, rightfully, from Hawaii and, and did, as Dragon Ball Z would tell you, go to the Kamehameha Schools in Hawaii. Uh, she's played on the national team just a you know, an outside hitter, 6'4", I think, can yeah. jump out of the building, float, and just smash balls.
0: Elite, elite hitter.
1: Middle blocker. Texas has been maybe the best middle blocker program in volleyball in the country the past few years. We've really shined there putting... Players on Olympic teams, you know, all Americans all over the place brought in the number 12 uh, overall player in the country, middle blocker, Mariana Singletary, uh, who's from Charleston, South Carolina. We're, we're a diverse uh, smattering of, of the best recruits around the country. So excited for all time winning as coach Jared Elliott to, to rack in another great class men's basketball who we talked about. Signed the highest ranked two-man class, only two, because, you know, they they brought in a bunch of people this offseason, the transfer portal. Um, Signed a two-man class, but if you're going to get two, you better make them both count, and boy did they. Two five-star players, five-star Arturio Morris from Dallas Kimball. Um, depending on what ranking you look at, he's number 22 on uh, 247, number four, point guard number two player uh, in Texas. He moved up in rivals rankings, I think, last week to the number eight player overall ahead of Keontae George, if you remember that name, um, who is no longer listed as a Texas player. He's at IMG, but um, there there is very little doubt that Arturio Morris is one of, if not the best, uh, high school player in the state of Texas, and you love to see those guys come on down Um, Gerald I've heard some cool various comps for what he can do Uh, what do you think about Arterio
0: there's a lot of things that you could say about him. He um, jumped up ahead of Keontae George, who Texas fans are still I'm still salty about uh, ending up at Baylor. But uh, like John Morant is like the the comp that we see a lot of people. Nick Harris is Nick. I trust Nick Harris's basketball eye more than more mm. than anybody I know. And that's the comp that that Nick gave him. So I will ride with Nick Harris because not just because he's been on our podcast, but just Nick knows hoops, and so um, I ride with with his ana- analysis there.
1: I will gladly take John Morant, one of the probably like three most exciting basketball players uh, of the past 20 years. Just just if you should be watching this guy's highlights all the time, college as well as NBA. Another five star, not to be overshadowed. Uh, Number 27 player, according to 247 out of Mount Verde. Florida is five-star Dylan Mitchell kind of will uh, slot into that small forward role can do a lot of things can guard one through four very easily uh, the type of player I think thrives in a Chris beard system where you know you're you're moving around you might have one big big but pretty much you have four guys who should be able to do just about everything else on the court and I think Dylan Mitchell is a really good example of that I think he fits perfect
0: we didn't see Dylan DC play uh, in the opener but I think um it's probably safe to say that Dylan Mitchell is more talented and I think they will fill similar roles. And I think you'll see what DC does in this offense uh, here in the next co- or the defense and offense really in the next couple of weeks. And so I think that's, that's going to be like the type of player, but just
1: better. Oh yeah. I'm excited for both of these guys with Jalen Tyson and, and uh, Devin Askew. you know, hopefully getting his, his five-star status back. You start getting some kids who, uh, who dominated high school and and let's do it at the college level as well. Now, women's basketball, we talked about did, Unprecedented things, almost winning by hundred. They also did what is very precedent in a Vic Schaefer era, which is signed one of the best classes in the country. They will do that every year. Vic is one of the best human beings in 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 sports, uh, but is just also one of the most relentless on the recruiting trail. The guy never misses. Uh, this year's is the number six class. I'm sure he's uh, he's saying I can do better than that. Uh, <laughs> but no, is is an excellent, excellent class. Adding in some really key. Uh, pieces to their already elite uh, young talent they have in this uh, I believe number two class that just is playing now Um, number 35 player in the country the number five wing uh, from Sioux Falls and this one Gerald I think you were saying you wanted to pronounce
0: Jacqueline Wentadana is what I'm going with, and we'll get a pronunciation guide, and we'll be sure to get that right moving forward. Uh, that just wasn't in the press release, and I'm sorry, uh, but she's an incredible wing, and I'm glad that she's on. I I am excited to learn her name and say her name every week I can, and, and it's good. I'm glad to have her as a part of the program.
1: And from the way Vic Schaefer talked about her, you're going to be saying her name a lot. She's she's legitimately, you know, going to be one of those players who's who's All-American, All American, all Big Twelve uh, type of ceiling. She's she's uh, she's an elite uh, wing. Who's we can kind of do it all uh number 63 player number 13 forward in the country amina muhammad for her the most interesting thing to me is um she's the reigning state champion with DeSoto, soto and so basically the moment she steps into the locker room officially official she gets to immediately um, have a one-up on the again unbelievable freshman class the if you remember the number number four and number like, 20 players in the country last year were teammates, the point guard and shooting guard, uh, Kendall Hunter uh, and Rory Harmon. Uh, well, they lost to that DeSoto team in the state championship. So, uh, you know, good Texas rivalries coming together as teammates here. Uh, and then finally, the number 67 player, number 18 guard, Jordana Codio uh, out of uh, Montverde Academy, Florida. So again, a, a diverse uh, area. Sioux Falls, uh, Mont, uh, out of Florida, and then out of the Dallas area. So Texas is a national program. We'll get the and de- every sport. We'll get the best talent out of Texas, and then uh, bring the best in. And speaking of that. Baseball had a really interesting strategy where they did not go national. They just went to the two best baseball states, basically, and (laughs) picked the best talent. They signed 12 players out of two states, Texas and Cali. Um, And that will win you a lot of ball games just in itself. Um, I'll give a couple ratings by state here, but they signed five right-handed pitchers uh maybe the best name out of those is cutter coffee who's a two-way player also plays in the infield um he's number four player in the state of california brenner cox uh, is another two-way player out of texas uh from uh, prosper high school in rock hill uh, is the number 10 player in the state of texas as an outfielder um, number 35 player in texas pierce george out of lake travis number 21 player in texas max Grubbs out of Arlington Martin and the number 31 player out of California Matthew Porteous. uh so you basically have five righties you expect you know any any one of those could could make the Texas pitching leap and become a starter during his time on the 40 acres and if not you got some bullpen arms who will win a game in their career and then the interesting thing is they signed one lefty left-handed pitchers are worth their weight in gold um, out a Highland Park Colin Valentine so Gerald a lot of arms. Is that winning games?
0: The Big 12 is
1: is really more – it seems like at least – in recent memory been an
0: offensive baseball league. And so being able to, to bring in arms that can limit that, especially as we've seen the Texas bats in the last couple of years struggle. Now, the thing to note about this class of 12 is that somewhere in the range of six to eight of them will probably end up uh, on campus. And that's even a high number. This will probably get uh, picked away at a little bit by the MLB draft, especially some of the higher end guys. I think coffee and maybe Cox may not end up on campus, but um Again, there are guys who get drafted and, and decide to take it. Kind of like um, the guy that, that jumped off the page to me just because of the name, Jaden Duplantier, um, Dre's brother, is, is coming to campus. And I think uh, I'm excited to see his older brother in the pitching rotation this year, finally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it's a class of, of 12. And that's, that's what I think the strategy is going to be moving forward, is sign a bunch and hope that you hit on at least half of them making it to campus.
1: Yeah, and, and I think Pierce has shown he's willing to go out and get some dudes in the transfer portal. He's yep. willing to replace those guys who get drafted, you know, and, and wait and do it at the right time. He seems to have his schedule figured out. But I do think this was a great class that filled some areas of need. So if they get majority of these guys on campus, one name to watch uh, if he makes it out of California is uh, outfielder Henry Bolte, who's, uh, who's the number 13 player in the entire country, number one player in the state of California, um, just, you know, can – can play first base uh he can play in the outfield he can hit he can run he can kind of do it all so we'll see if he makes it to campus he's he's probably a risk uh as well but then they also had the uh number one catcher number six player in the state of texas Ryland galvan out of Sinton, who's a, a really interesting player i think he's he's uh, to take over a legacy of great catchers is, is next up. Um, number 12 player in Texas outfielder Max uh, Bellew out of Alito. And then you mentioned Duplantier uh, also joining uh, in the infield. A couple guys who could have long careers if they make it to campus and, and stick it for four years. Uh, number 10 player in Texas infielder Jalen Flores from Brandeis. Uh, and then the number 24 uh, player in the state of Texas infield and outfield guy Jared. Thomas. So a really good class, like Gerald said. Um, we'll see when the draft comes, if any of those guys uh, end up not making it. But uh, they've got a lot of arms this year already, a lot of bats on this team. Uh, these will be guys maybe plug and play, but likely uh, will be looking to come in and, and um, just add to what's already there. It's a deep, deep, talented roster. Softball signed the number 12 class in the country, including the number three overall player shortstop, uh, Viviana Martinez from Tolleson, Arizona Um, people talk about her in vaunted terms, they're going to have to replace potentially uh, second uh, baseman Janae Jefferson who's been one of the best players in in softball you know, three time All-American eventually, so, so why not basically get a person who can hit like that. You're, you're, you're replacing Altuve with Altuve here. Uh, she'll, she can play either second or short. So we'll see where she ends up. And then the number five player in the country catcher, uh, Reese Atwood, um, out of Sandia, Texas, Toulouse, Midway high school. Don't know a thing about it. You know, I haven't, haven't ever made my way out to Sandia, you know, but someone has, and they knew <laughs> that she's very good at softball. Um, in the middle infield, uh, Leanne good out of, uh, San Antonio Connor. Um, I think I got my clock clean going across the, the middle once playing O'Connor <laughs> High School in football. Not holding that against uh, Leanne. Right-handed pitcher, Sitali Gutierrez out of Stamford. Texas and then kind of utility do everything. Maddie uh Pom-
0: They also I mean, officially right hander pitcher transfer from Fresno State. Those are all top uh, seventy-five Dulcini, players. We talked about her one of the, country the best player, but the best pitcher get, uh, uh, in the Mountain West class. last year. Which is again um, lost some lost some arms. So you add some arms, and hopefully you can uh, keep up with OU and OSU in this conference because uh, Texas's best arm went to Stillwater, and that sucks.
1: Yeah, it's, it's terrible, but you are replacing, again, a 2021 All-American Conference Player of the Year. She was uh, 11th in ERA, 13th in strikeouts, and led the country with Just 14 shutouts through two perfect out. games last year. So let's hope she can uh, elish her way through a couple of those. Uh... I'll go quick. And finally, the last signing day, women's tennis signed the number four overall player, Vivian Uh, uh She'll join the team early in the 2022 spring out of San Jose, California. Uh, coach seemed static in his press conference today. Coach Jaffe said it's a major coup for the Longhorns getting her. So I think that will instantly upgrade what we have uh, on, the, on the court. Gerald, let's do a quick, quick, quick run through of Longhorns in the NFL because it was a good and meaningful week. Marquise Goodwin had a 50-yard catch, the longest pass of, of Justin Fields' young Career. Jeff Swayne can't stop scoring four catches 21 yards, had another touchdown. Pick him up in your fantasy team. Devin Duvernay also knows how to catch a touchdown uh, in a game that was ultimately decided by a Justin Ticker game winner in overtime, as it is. Uh, a Devin Duvernay fourth quarter tying touchdown one handed against his body and momentum in the back of the end zone was pretty special. Deshaun Elliott had a good one in that one six tackles, two for a loss, but likely uh, I think he is actually done for the year on the IR now with a torn uh, pector and torn. Bicep injury. And then DBU just went out and did their thing. Chris Boyd, five tackles. Adrian Phillips fresh off the AFC player of the week, six tackles, one fumble force. Uh, your boy, Brandon Jones on your Dolphins, Rocky seven Mountain tackles, wolf. <laughs> one fumble, recovered, one QB hit, and the wolf of Mountains? I don't know. What no longer DKR. Caden Stearns. Rocky Mountain Wolf. Uh two tackles, one reception, uh, against his childhood team, the Dallas Cowboys, also had a pass breakup. Alex Okafor got his name on the stat sheet a one-score victory over the Packers. He had a field goal block for those Kansas City Chiefs who desperately needed a win. And then our team of the week, I think, uh, though the, the Ravens did ball out, the Arizona Cardinals had some longhorns doing some things. Eight tackles, two for loss, two fumble recovery for Jordan Hicks, who keeps racking those tackles up. And then you just absolutely love to see it, Gerald. Colt McCoy. 22 for 26, 249 and a touchdown. Like basically put up uh, numbers that he did in college, just you know, Kings a bunch of completions, not a lot of incompletions, good amount Texas of yards. And, and an easy win. 23 rushing just did what he needed against the 49ers. Hey. Uh <laughs> uh also this we didn't want to let it go sam ellinger made his nfl debut basically drew up the old tom herman play from a couple yards out in the goal line just had him battering ram uh nfl players were were, were hip to it though and stopped him at the one they scored the next play but i wish sam could have got it on his first play he'll get some more chances and, and lastly just want to quickly shout it out we focus on the nfl but nba players have had a great uh week as well um you know it's it's uh, miles uh, turner's had a, a wonderful week he's some trade rumors, but it's for contenders wanting him to maybe take them to the next level. Uh, Kevin Durant, obviously, LaMarcus Aldridge had some good games, uh, but the player. We got to talk about here is Jared Allen, NBA Eastern Conference player of the week. Cleveland went 4-0 with wins over the Hornets, Blazers, Raptors, and Knicks. He averaged during that span 20.5 points, 16.3 uh, rebounds, and 1.5 blocks. Basically shot like 80% as well. Had back-to-back 24-point games uh, to open up the week. He hit a buzzer-beater 3 on a shot clock clock. Uh, expiration it's got to be like a second career three-pointer just I mean, having we, uh, we said that that was potential, potential going in, it, right it, it proves me truer uh, and truer jared by allen the day that to, uh jared allen won the james harden trade All right, Gerald, real quick, Godzillatron, we mentioned it before, but Appreciate Saturday, it. Sunday, your Godzillatron, your screen should be watching UT Sports Football vs. Kansas on ESPNU at 6.30. Basketball, then take on Gonzaga at 9.30. They kind of scheduled them nicely for us on ESPN2. Sunday, soccer uh, has the NCAA championship opener uh, at SMU on ESPN Plus at 1. And uh, women's basketball for me, take my wife take uh, uh, on only of these games. It's on Big lot, ESPN weekend, at 2 p.m. The fall, on Sunday. Uh, uh, Gerald, Western, what have you been Netflix. watching on the giant screen?
0: Um, Jonathan majors and Idris Elba are your two, uh, I say leads in this, this is an ensemble, but it's like, it it was a movie that was almost made specifically for me. They're like, what movie would speak to Gerald personally? And it was the harder they fall. I grew up watching Westerns with my dad. And so I absolutely was just like in love with it. And then you've got, um, the, the thing that really, again, jumped out to me is they took figures that were, that are kind of often glossed over like, um, black cowboys from the scene so matt love jim beckworth um bill pickett the 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 list goes on and on right um the one that really like jumped off the screen at me and i didn't know i needed this until it happened i have been lobbying for a for this specific western cuz i don't know how it hasn't happened yet but delroy lindo the man the myth the legend himself played bass reeves if you don't know who bass reeves is do yourself a google bass reeves is who they think the lone ranger is based off of <laughs> bass reeves rode out the civil war living with native tribes in the south and then joined the us marshals and became one of the most successful us marshals in history and so if you do not know who uh, bass reeves is also incredible mustache that'll be the first thing you notice but don't Lindo playing Bass Reeves was like, "Here you go, Gerald. Just enjoy this." Uh, and so it was absolutely so much fun to watch. Um, it was the the only downside that is like making Idris Elba, <laughs> Regina King, and Lakeith Stanfield your villains is confusing for me because I love all three of them, and so I was like, "I don't want I I don't want to cheer against them," but that's just the way the movie was set up.
1: I we actually added it to our Netflix queue. We almost watched it uh, on sun, Sunday night, I believe. Um, or maybe it was Tuesday night. Either way, we have not watched it yet, but it's at the top of our queue. As soon as we have a couple hours carved out, we will do it. We were watching, however, keeping up with the HBO shows we mentioned in Secure last week. This week, I will give you another HBO show that you should absolutely be watching. If you're, if you're late, this is a tough one to binge to catch up. Uh, there's 11 seasons, or to guess 10. We're on a, a season 11 now. But Curb Your Enthusiasm is just... I, man, you put Parks. You can, you can, uh, you can. I'm trying to think of just the best all-time comedies uh, ever made. I mean, it's a short list. I'll, I'll have to do some more thinking and come back with my proper list. But I think I put Curb up there, and I will, I will make the controversial take. And hit me up in my mentions at JH uh, Goodrich uh, if if <laughs> if uh, you hate this take, uh, curb your enthusiasm. Better than Seinfeld. Ooh, he said it. I crack up so much at Larry David. He just. He slays me, I don't know And and honestly, the show is great and everything And Larry is good Jeff Garland is just yeah, an absolute peach But J.B. Smoove's character Leon Black in Curb Your Enthusiasm Is one of the five, three funniest characters ever on the history of TV Gosh, he kills me with every single word He's such an impact sub He doesn't have to get a lot of screen time And he just steals every single moment He's on screen, he's utterly incredible Watch Curb Your Enthusiasm
0: it's it is I mean if you if you like Seinfeld it's like edgy or Seinfeld is the only way I can describe it and I'm not a Seinfeld person but I like I like Curb and so that's kind of the way that that I describe it. and I think Seinfeld just hit me too young but that's a whole separate conversation for our other podcast that doesn't exist but that's all we've got for you this week Kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet
1: oh you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Curb and you can also follow the Texas Pre Gamer at Texas Pre Gamer
0: you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Goodwich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, where you'll catch our post-game live stream, Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook
1: them. Get rocked, get chalked, Jayhawks. Hook them.